Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast where we connect you to the people and the technology at SLB and go beyond the reservoir. And I'm your host, Hunter Holtzapel. Hello, my name is Hunter Holtzapel, host of Beyond the Reservoir, and I'm excited to share with you the people and technology that make up the team at Reservoir Performance here at SLB. My hope is that you leave here today having learned a little bit more about the guests and what they do in the energy industry. And without further ado, today, I'm very happy to introduce a very special guest, Maciel Diaz. Hey, Hunter. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a true honor to be your first guest. So let's let's do this. Yeah, thank you for coming. I'm excited uh, and excited for you to share a little bit more about yourself and your career here at SLB. So um, I guess let's just jump into it. Uh, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you are from uh, and how you got into your career here at SLB? Cool. So I'm originally from a small island in the Caribbean called San Andres, and it belongs to Colombia. But at the age of four, my mom decided to immigrate to Canada, to the winter capital of the world, I would say, where it's very, very cold. And we moved to a city called Montreal in Quebec, which is a French part of Canada. And so I grew up there had no intentions to go into oil and gas. I studied chemical engineering and Schlumberger at the time, you know, that's what it was called for all you young new people out here. Um, and they had a, a campaign called Stilettos to Steel Toes where they were trying to recruit more women to come into oil and gas and into the field positions. And so it really spoke to me. I really liked that campaign. I saw the, the flyer and the poster and it was a, a girl wearing blue coveralls, her hair and makeup were done and she had stilettos on one foot and steel toes on the other. And it really just, again, representation really has mattered to me throughout my whole career. And I saw myself in that poster. And so I decided to apply. And uh, luckily for me, um, they had two positions open for the interns for all of Canada through all the universities. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to get, you know, one out of two positions out of thousands of students applying uh, to this internship. And so when I went to the recruiter at the booth, I had a 30 second pitch that I was going to be the hardest working girl out in the field. And um, she believed me and she she gave me an in interview the next week for interns. And luckily I was I got the, the job and I had an amazing internship with Somberger in Well Services in Frac in Grand Prairie in Alberta, still in Canada for those who don't know where that is. Wow, that's a, a, I would say a very unique story, but not too dissimilar from many others, you know, uh, a relocation, a move, uh, an introduction to the company that maybe we didn't know. I mean, I, I myself didn't know about Somberger at the time. Um, had no idea who they were except for that poster that really yeah. spoke to me. That, that's that's amazing. I think we're very lucky to have uh, had you out of the the two possible recruits. Uh, we're lucky that that you were you were one of them for sure. Um, so you you mentioned uh, Slumberger, um and 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 said how we are now SLB, which I think the the viewers can see in our our uh, corner here with the new logo and the new brand. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and maybe what that means um, to you before we kind of go into your history is is in and your career here? Yeah, you know, it's a very exciting topic um, for those of us who are, I would say, like mid-career, like, I don't, you know, 10-year mark. For me, it was very refreshing to see a change within the company, especially because we're a very old company in the sense that, you know, we span many, many, many years and many generations. And I think because I'm in that 10-year mark, for me, this change meant 
a very positive change. It meant we were adapting to to the new generations. We were adapting to where the world is headed, which is a lot of you know caring about the planet, a more balanced planet. It, it felt young also and very techy, which you know, the tech industry has revolutionized in the last few years where we all want to work in that new fun technology where sometimes people miss the fact that oil and gas is very technology driven. And we all say, well, tech looks fun and, you know, Apple, Facebook, Google, and um, the new rebrand to me just gave me more excitement to continue a career in SLB because it's, it's fun and it's exciting. It feels like we're rewriting history together. So that's my take on it. Yeah, definitely. Just you describing that again. I mean, I, I was a part of some of the the ceremonies at, at Adipec a couple of weeks ago. Um, and just hearing you say it, it gives me goosebumps um, because yeah. you're right. I mean, it's a it's a whole new identity. It's exciting. Um, and, and we're really positioned as a technology company. We've always been a technology company, but we're embracing it. Um, and, and one, you know, we're really putting ourselves out there, which is a huge change, as, as, you, as you know. I mean, uh, uh, very exciting. Um, so I guess with that, can you share uh, what got you into it other than the the, the poster with, with steel toes and stilettos? What uh, made you uh, decide to jump in and what can you describe your first role um, in, the, in, in SLB other than your uh, internship with, with Well Services? Yeah, so at the end of the internship, um, they offered me a job in Wireline. And it was specifically to become an open hole field engineer, which I had no idea what it was because even during my internship, I was in you know the completion side with pump down perforating and with the frac crews. So I didn't I had never heard of open hole. And so at the time, I remember trying to Google, YouTube, check online reviews of like what this was, and I couldn't really find anything. But at the time, you know, you just need a job when you're coming out of college and you're not very picky about it. So I said, whatever, let's see what this is. I don't know what it even means. I don't even know what wireline is, but, you know, go ahead. And so I did my pep tech, which was what that's what it was called in the back in the day in Abu Dhabi. So I was there for about three months. It used to be a lot longer than the courses that they are now. And when I finished my pep tech part, I went back to my location, which was in Nisku, Alberta. It's a small little industrial town right outside of Edmonton. And I, it was really just very crazy for me. I remember going on my first job and being in the truck and driving four or five hours because in Canada, you drive a lot. So we would drive five, six, sometimes 10 to 12 hours to get to a location, northern, uh, northern part of Canada. And we would just stay out there for days and run different tools. And I remember everyone would use acronyms, you know, like the TLD, the HGNS. And I remember just being overwhelmed with the names of each tool and what they each all did. And I remember thinking, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to like memorize all of these tools and what they did and the LQCs. And it's a very stressful job because, you know, all of us are listening. We we work where no mistake really can be done because you're responsible for so much at such a young age. And so I would say it was a very stressful job, but I somewhat saw a lot of positives out of it. You know, instead of thinking I've been out here for three days and I haven't really showered and have all I've eaten is gas station food. I, as a young engineer, I was just thinking of like, this is really cool that I get to do this. And that's kind of what drove me was, I think I thought what I did in the field was really cool. And I loved working with the technology. I loved working with my crews and just going out from rig to rig and meeting new people every single time. That's what kept me in the field for so long. 
Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I would say probably most of the listeners can probably relate to some sort of story like that. Um, and, and for those that uh, this might be new to, it's it's good to hear that take on uh, what the life in the field was like, um, because you, you described a lot of these things, tired, driving a lot, sleeping, uh, sleeping in the unit, uh, not yeah. showering, um, brings back a, a lot of uh, memories, certainly. Um, but it's it's a, a career that many of us had. So it's it's good to hear it again and 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 be refreshed on what what field life was like. Um, do you uh, can you share a little bit uh, more on your career path as you navigated out of the field and are where you are today? Yeah, so I stayed in the field for about five and a half years. I would say it's a little bit longer than most. Uh, you know, usually people try to stay within three ish years and then they want to get out within their grade eleven. And I understand that because it's a very demanding job. So, but for me. I stayed because I just really enjoyed the the time off mm-hmm. and I never really saw myself in going into an office. I was always someone that would look into the office life and even just my managers, et cetera, and, and the different roles. And I would always be like, like not necessarily wanting to, to be an FSM or, or it just, their life seemed really stressful and they didn't seem very happy. So I was like, why would I want that? You know? And so I just always delayed leaving the field until it just started getting very difficult in the sense that, you know, I was married and I was never home because you're really gone the whole time. And I would always work on my days off because I, I enjoyed it and I enjoyed the money as well. And there's a point after five years that you're like, okay, I need to have a normal life at some point. And then at that time, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So one thing that I really love what you're doing with the podcast is that other people can listen into your journey and see several roles that might fit for you. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, I didn't think there was any roles that would fit me outside of the field. Yeah. Just because I, I didn't, again, representation matters. And I didn't see anyone that looked like me or anyone that led the way I wanted to lead. And so... Luckily, at that moment, um, there was Modar, which he met at Edipec. He called me one day, and I, I didn't know him very well. I had met him one time. And he said, hey, there's this new venture called Resource Light. It's a US-based business with Canada as well. And we're going to start selling and renting our technology to other wireline providers. So uh, very different from anything SLB had ever done mm-hmm. in, in the world. Well, I'm sorry. They did do that maybe in other parts of the world. But in the US business, it was very new. And so... I thought it was a perfect opportunity for me because it really let me become an entrepreneur and kind of try a different career path that didn't really exist. And so I went into that new business, which turned into extreme and I did for the last four years. So my role was, you know, business development, sales strategy. It was again, entrepreneurship is you're wearing several hats. And I got to do a little bit of everything. And it was a truly wonderful experience that I got very lucky because it's not very traditional, mm-hmm. but I think it just fit my personality really well that I was able to do that. And then now it's been about seven months that I am now in Mexico and I'm in sales for RP um, for all the independents and some of the IOCs. Awesome. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a quite the uh, condensed version of about 10 years. Uh, but it, yes. it, it, you, you hit on a couple points that I think, uh, hopefully the, the listeners can pick up on one. There's, um, a lot of opportunities out there that we don't see. Um, and hopefully through this series, we can introduce those, whether it's a, a writer on the marketing team, uh, myself in marketing, you, uh, in sales and like an uh, very entrepreneur, entrepreneurial, that's a tough word for me to say, <laughs> uh, version of it. 
um, to a, you know, a higher executive in RP. So it'll be interesting to see those. And I appreciate you touching on that um, as well as the diversity in locations. Um, you know, I, I think our background is a lot in the U S but there's so much more out there. Yeah. Um, so with extreme uh, that was a brand, you know, brand new venture. I'm sure you experienced some challenges. Can you, share a little bit more on like the biggest challenge you've had either in that role or, you know, otherwise um, throughout your career so far? Yeah. So I think the biggest challenge with extreme was that it was the biggest challenge, but it was also like the best part about my job. So it was like a, a good and a bad was that there was no direction early on. We mm -hmm. were trying something new, right? Like any entrepreneur, you don't really know what you're doing. You're like, we just need to hit on something that's successful and we're going to run with it. And so that was a little bit difficult because there was no one telling me what I needed to do. And, you know, I couldn't look at other people in the past and say, well, they did this. So I'm just going to do this in my role because there was no one to copy. And so, but at the same time, what was beautiful about that is that I could actually just be creative mm -hmm. and try different things. And I think it really helped with social media and with LinkedIn. And that's how I access most of the customers that we have at Extreme. It was me just directly messaging, you know, CEOs or VPs of those waterline companies. And by the way, this works very well in the U.S. I don't know if it works well in other countries, but in the U.S. it was it was a, just a perfect market for that kind of personality and knocking on people's doors. And at the beginning, the challenge that I that we faced as extreme was we weren't called extreme at that point. And when I would go talk to people about what we were doing, they were all very skeptical that, you know, Somerset would do this in this market. Like they didn't understand because a lot of wireline companies in the US and Canada were all ex-Lumberger. So they had all worked for our company at some point and they would they were like, there's no way they would do this. Why would yeah. they do this? So there was always this this conflict of they were interested because they're like, yes, I can access Lumberger technology, which I know is the best. But they were also questioning, like, why would they do that? This is not like them, you know? And so it was a lot of convincing people that we were in it for the right reasons and that this was truly a business we wanted to stay in. And um, so I would say that was the biggest challenge, but we definitely overcame it. And Extreme mm -hmm. Now has an excellent brand in the US, which I'm very you know, proud of, but it took us a long time to get there. At the beginning, no one trusted us or wanted us to even come into their office because they labeled us as Slumberger. Yeah, no, certainly. And, and, and I have seen the... I would say positive impacts. And I would say to a degree revolutionize the way we do some of the sales business, at least in us land with, with extreme. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I followed a little bit in your footsteps by, by marketing on LinkedIn yeah. for our own sales, uh, for, for, uh, SLBRP. Um, so it's very exciting to see that journey from, you know, as, since we knew each other back in Midland and, and how you kind of came up through there. Um, so I guess uh, on that note, uh, that that is very you know hard work, challenging. Um, it, it must there must be something that has inspired you, or what? I guess if you could summarize what gets you going, or what brings you uh, back to work every day, um, and, and brings you through those you know peaks and troughs, because we know not every job or any job is is always positive all the time. So can you share what what inspires you uh, and, and inspired you throughout your journey here? Yeah, you know, one thing that I learned is that sometimes you shouldn't just focus on like your day to day role, because there are some roles where it's not as exciting, but it's just like a role that you have to do to get under your belt and to learn certain skills. And so what I try to do is I'll do my role, get as much as I can from it and learn as much as I can, but always be doing things that make me happy alongside. 
So whether that's being part of Connect Women, whether that's, you know, being doing my own women in the field with Mervyn, like our own groups and mentorships, being involved in different areas of the industry, not just internally, but also externally. And so I think that's what motivates me and keeps me going is when sometimes like your day job could get repetitive and it could get at some point just unmotivating. The fact that I have other branches of things that I do constantly keep me like that balance of overall, it's good, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you touched on that uh, because one, it, it it should hopefully can inspire others. Uh, I shouldn't say it should, but hopefully it does um, inspire others. And then also um, you, you touched on a, a, a thing that I think many maybe can, can hear uh, and, and resonate with is that there's more than just your career uh, that you can do in, in the company. Like you said, connect women, there's different organizations. Um, so I, I appreciate you sharing on that because I think that's something that I didn't really know or have much exposure with when I was in the field. Um, and, and, and I'm still learning about all the different a- avenues. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to network and there's a lot of ways to get involved. And it really does help your career because you're not just doing your day job. You have to go the extra mile and be great at other things too. And I think the combination of doing really good in your job, but also networking and volunteering and being part of different, you know, groups or events, it's just, it makes it even better when you, when you could do that. Yeah, definitely. And I, I would say you're a shining example of, of that. Um, and, and again, appreciate you sharing. Um, so that's a, that's a good summary. I think of, of the, the work at SLB, your time here, uh, we could probably go talk at length about our time in, in the fields and reminisce on stories. But um, I think, in addition to that, it, it would be nice to hear how um, your what your life may look like outside of, of work, because, you know, we, we work, let's say, eight hours. There's a lot of other time uh, to our lives, a lot of other things, aspects to our lives. Can you share a little bit about what you do outside of work? I know you, you're a mother, um, how you balance things, because that's a job in itself. Um, so if, if you don't mind sharing a little more on your outside uh, day-to-day life. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny, but that's a question that I get a lot is people don't understand how I have time to do so much. (laughs) And I don't even realize how much I'm doing until sometimes I pause and I'm like, wait, yeah, like I've, I've, every hour of my day, I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for example, this morning, I actually posted something on my Instagram where I was at the gym, let's say it was like 530 to 630. I finished my run. And then within 10 minutes, I was showing that I was already on my laptop about to do, you know, an intro or a podcast or whether it was a meeting with somebody else overseas. And it's I just wanted to showcase that you can do it, too, if you just plan your time very well. And most people are not good at that. And that can mean waking up at four in the morning. That could mean waking up. At, my husband wakes up at three thirty in the morning every single day because he doesn't have enough time to get everything he needs. So it's sometimes it's about just discipline and about if this is really something that you want and that brings you value, then you can do it. There's just no excuse. And um, on top of you know everything that I do externally, whether it's an SPE panel, whether it's flipping the barrel, whether it's my own groups internally that I'm part of, whether it's mentorship, I mentor a lot of other people that are outside of the company or inside the company, it takes a lot. And sometimes I do feel like I'm saying yes to too many things and I'm learning to say no, which has been a struggle of mine is I I want to do everything, you know? And um, so that's a lesson is sometimes it's okay to say no. And with 
being a mother, you know, she's one years old now. And so that has also put a lot of perspective into my time where sometimes it's six or seven o'clock and I'm doing things and it's taking away from being with her and with yeah. my husband. Yeah. And sometimes I have to go back and say like, did I really need to be on this panel at seven o'clock at night? Did I really need to do this talk? Did I really need to, you know, so I think family really puts you into perspective of like balancing your time, but I'm not good at that. Um, definitely working on it, but it, it is, a, it is a struggle. I will say, um, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect at any, at all of it. I just kind of just make it work, but I'm not the best mom. Sometimes I'm not the best wife. I'm not the best employee. Like I just, I try to do my best at all of it, but yes, it's, it's a balanced game where some days I'm the best employee. And then the next day I'm not because I have to take my daughter to a certain thing, or because I need to spend some time with her or my husband. Like it, I guess it just changes every, every week of like where you're putting your best foot at. Yeah. That's, that's uh, a lot of, again, a lot of good nuggets there to, to expand on. I, I think two big key ones are it's okay to say no. Uh, I struggle with that control yeah. saying no. Um, sometimes my plate is very full. Um, and, and it's, it's refreshing to hear a, a confirmation that that's, it is okay. Um, tactfully, of course. Uh, and then, uh, one thing, you know, dedication, um, I, I, I like kind of distilled almost into, you know, perfection or progress is, is better than perfection. Sometimes perfection inhibits our progress and yeah. we want everything to be perfect. And sometimes you just got to do it, you know, get up early, do get to get the gym in, even if it's only 30 minutes. So, um, okay. I appreciate that insight there. Uh, I, I've, I've learned some of those myself, probably the hard way. Um, <laughs> uh, so hopefully the listeners can, can, can get, uh, that advice and, and incorporate it in their lives as well. Um, so with that, if there's one one piece of advice for someone who's going to start a career, looking to start a career early in their career, maybe midway through their career and, and want something different, is there any advice you'd give those people um, uh, to, to continue their journey at SLB? Yes, I would say the biggest piece of advice that I would give anyone, and it took me a very long time for me to see it. And so I started very late, I would say, in my career to do this, but it's doing more than your job because I've seen a lot of people do just such an incredible job and they're the best at it. And that also inhibits your career growth because you're so good at it that mm -hmm. you're not planning the next, you know, like the, the next role, because sometimes if you're really good at it, we want you there. And I, I think sometimes it's something called putting your job before your career. And I feel like I did that at certain points in my career where I was performing very well. And I just, everybody around me was happy with my performance. And so I was happy with my performance, but it's also okay to think ahead and say, if I stay here one more year, if I don't, if I don't change, it's hurting me. It's not, but you know, because everything else around me was happy, you know, you kind of forget to put yourself first as well and to advocate for what you want to do next. I think sometimes we think that everyone knows what you want to do. Like, but no one does. It's not like they have a shiny crystal ball or they're thinking about what Masiel wants next. So I think it's okay to advocate for yourself and let, let the company know what it is that you want to do next. And just being vocal about it because no one's going to come and say, hey, you did a really great job. Here's, here's a promotion. Like, yeah. no, you have to advocate for it. So I would say that. And it took me a very long time to, to notice that and realize that. Yeah, that's great advice. I think many, many probably are still learning that and, and, and just to put it out there so people can understand. I think that's, that's fantastic advice. Um, 
for the you know population and really anyone. This is good advice for anyone out there in any career um, to, to share. Uh, all right, Marcel, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate the time today on, on the questions and uh, answer and in the discussion. Um, and I think to close it out, um, would you be open to a rapid fire uh, discussion? All right, but nothing hard, Hunter. Nothing, oh. nothing crazy. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll try to make them easy. Um, all right, ready? Go. So favorite food? Pizza. Uh, would you rather stay in or have a night out? Stay in. I'm boring. <laughs> uh, beach or uh, beach vacation or mountain retreat? I love the beach. How about your favorite drink at Starbucks? I'm a Grand Americano, extra shot, two stevias, and almond milk. Wow, that's complicated. <laughs> they hate uh, me. <laughs> if there's anyone famous that you can meet, uh, who would it be? I love Sheryl Sandberg, who is the CEO of Facebook for many years. She started Lean In and She's just phenomenal, uh, just such an amazing leader, someone that I aspire to be one day. Awesome. And last one, if you could recommend any book to those out there, what would it be? Finding Your True North is my favorite book. And it's a very difficult book to read because it makes you think a lot where you sometimes you just want to put it away because you don't want to think about about it because you would do a lot of changes to your life that day. So That's totally recommend it. I'll have to pick that one up myself. And um, yes, I've been there where you you want to read it, but you want to put it down because you because don't want it's it telling crazy. you all the things that are wrong in your life and that you can change. <laughs> but sometimes we we just don't want to hear it. Yes. Well, uh, I appreciate the uh, rapid fire. And I think that's a, a great way to wrap it up for people to know a little bit more about you. And I appreciate uh, you taking the time today, Masiel, to, to to join the podcast, be the first guest. Um, and uh, if, if people want to follow along, I know you're very uh, open on um, or active on social media. Is there somewhere they can find you? Yeah, Masiel Diaz on LinkedIn or at Mace Fit Life on Instagram. And yeah, thank you so much, Hunter, for having me on. This was great. I'm so happy to see that RP is doing this and promoting all of our amazing people and what they do for a living and just getting personal and digging into who all these people are. So I can't wait to hear more about you and uh, hope to see you in a few episodes where I will be helping you with a co-host for some special editions. So I'm excited to to be on this journey with you. Definitely, me as well. And uh, thank you again and, and looking forward to the next one. Awesome. Thank you.